Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cocktail Culture with Citywide Liquors. My name is Daniel, and this week we are interviewing Tom Carpenter, the founder, owner, head brewer, janitor of Two Tom's Brewery in Fort Wayne. Tom, how's it going today? Uh, it's really good. Really good. good. Awesome. That is good to hear. Definitely. So um, I think the first question I have for you is a question that's probably on everybody's mind. If you are Tom, who is the second Tom? It's a long story. So <laughs> if you go to our website, the short story of it is um, I started brewing with a one gallon brew kit. Um, I was racing Ironman triathlons at the time, um, busy with other hobbies, travel for work often. And my wife just knew how I get into hobbies and just kind of go a little <laughs> crazy. So she reluctantly gave me the brew kit and jokingly said, you need to either drop a hobby or clone yourself. Um, <laughs> jokingly, I mean, right out of the gate, I started this name to Tom's just as, oh, there's this other Tom kind of helping yeah. me out. And that way I don't have to drop a hobby or whatever. Right. Um, and it just kind of caught on, I mean, right away. So I, I, it was funny because I was pretending to be a brewery two months in, I had an untapped account. I created like a little logo. It was never the intent to open a brewery. It was just, uh, I, right, I, right. I breweries and just, uh, wanted to kind of pretend my, my little one gallon kit was my, my, the start of my little brewery at home. So. Oh yeah, definitely. I say, I feel like anyone, uh, any home brewer with any inclination to graphic design has also came up with some labels and get yeah. printed some yep. stuff out and <laughs> stuck them on their bottles to give out to yep. friends. Definitely. So if you started as a home brewer and everything, what, uh, what brought you to like actually wanting to, you know, make the full leap and wanting to start a brewery? You know, it, it was a lot of people just tasting the beer. I was just coveting kind of feedback. We had some pretty big beer trading groups that would have shares and I'd uh, bring my beer to, to those shares and it started out, Oh yeah, you're a home brewer. You made this in your garage. And, you know, uh, you know, we've all tasted good homebrew. We've tasted a lot of bad homebrew. So had a lot of reactions to that, but uh, it quickly garnered a lot of attention just with uh, folks in town. Um, it got to be where I would have post kind of like a beer release mm -hmm. And have 30 people come over to the house to try something. So yeah. really got to be where I thought something was there and then winning some awards and, and constantly getting the question. So when are you opening up a brewery? Um, after hearing that several times, I thought, you know, I, I pitched it to my wife. I said, well, what would you think about this? And she was against it at first. But then after she started hearing a lot of people with the same thing, they're like, you know, you guys really need to think about opening something up. Mm -hmm. uh, after touring so many places, you know, with my job and stuff, I, I, I travel around a lot, visited a lot of breweries and just uh, found, you know, the brewery life kind of pretty interesting. So I was like, well, you know, I, I've, I've tasted some really good stuff. I've seen breweries that are mediocre out there. They're still doing a, a good job. So it was like, well, I, I think we could give a go at it. And, uh, started uh, a business plan. I, I think it was like, gosh, it was only like two years into homebrewing um, because we were getting that pressure. And mm -hmm. uh, after three years into homebrewing, we were opening up uh, two times. So it's a pretty fast track record from that standpoint. Um, and just kind of hit the ground running when we opened up, we knew we had uh, a lot of pressure on us. Um, a lot of, uh, anticipation. Um, and I think gone are the days of a brewery can open up and you could have mediocre beer. So 
uh, we, we opened up with some good bangers and, uh, yeah. really it right away. Yeah, definitely. So, um, your background prior to brewing, was it, is it engineering or is it some kind of, some kind of scientific background, right? Yeah, it is. I, I have a environmental engineering background, okay. um, uh, BS, uh, in that, um, and still have a career kind of in the environmental field. So I lead a large group within waste management, still have a corporate career, um, have about 500 employees that kind of are in my jurisdiction there. Mm-hmm. Uh, went back to school. I also have an MBA. So I understand business, I understand the marketing aspects and things, but my mind, while I have the engineering background, I also have a, a strong kind of creative sense. And, and we, we, we do approach our beers. We know kind of the boundaries from an engineering standpoint and a scientific mm-hmm. standpoint, but take license to, to be pretty creative and have fun within those boundaries. Oh yeah, definitely. Now I, I remember it had to be in the early days of uh, either. I mean, if you've only been yeah doing home brewing for not that long, I remember I used to represent a brewery and I was doing a tasting event. It was like a tent event at Ted's okay. in Fort Wayne. Yeah. And I remember you being there and I was like, what's, I was asking some people, I was like, what's the deal with this brewery? Like I've never heard of them. And like, yeah. oh, this is like this chemist scientist guy who's just like not really into home brewing and who wanted to do it. Yeah. I didn't know the full story, but I was like, if you have any kind of engineering background of the people who have I known who I, I know a couple guys who are home brewers and they are at work in engineering department at, uh, at like Notre Dame and whatnot. And they're like yeah. some of the best home brewers I know. Cause if you're science minded, like you have to, like, there has to be some art to it, but also there has yep. to be that kind of like base of like, I want to clean things. Well, I yep. want to like be able to, uh, to measure things correctly and whatnot. Right. I think like right. that brain is very important to uh, the process in general. Right. Beer yeah. Is- yeah. I mean, even, I mean, even the construction of your recipe, you know, what certain grains mm-hmm. are going to give you as far as color, uh, mouthfeel, you know, cause I mean, there's so much more to the beer than just taste, you know, there's the body of the beer. How does it mm-hmm. feel on your tongue? Uh, what flavors are going to complement and give you kind of a sense of something else or go in a different direction. How's the foam going to help with the aroma as you're tasting it or, you know, kind of all those different senses. And it, it's all packed into kind of building that recipe and that development. And then, you know, the execution of a brew day is fairly simple from that standpoint. And, and if you understand your equipment, but it really starts with the ingredients. And then as you're building kind of your recipe. Yeah. Say beer Smith only goes so far for people. You can, oh yeah. You can, yeah. you can, yeah. you can do a lot with it, but, but there, there are limits for sure. Um, so staying on the, uh, the science topic, like I know you have done some different, like, I would say like culinary science things with the beer using algae for color and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any yep. like different beer science endeavors that you have seen that you like want to try out that you haven't tried yet? Um, there's some old, old style techniques that, um, like, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to get and build uh, an apparatus to do a Stein beer. So to use granite rock to actually heat the rock and then you boil. Mm-hmm. So some, some, some old world styles like that. Um, some science, I guess scientific, or maybe it's more natural, um, <laughs> you know, part of our expansion, I'm hoping to get involved into, uh, wild fermentation or kind of spontaneous fermentation, kind of go, go in that direction. The cool ship uh, technique-ish kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, we'd like to have a cool ship. Um, I actually have a design of one 
that could fit into the back of my pickup truck. So oh, awesome. <laughs> actually brew the wart, uh, take it out someplace, maybe camp overnight, rack it into the cool ship, yeah. then inoculate and then kind of come back. Um, you know, other than that, I mean, it, it's, it's also playing with, uh, different grains. Um, I'm fascinated. I've been reading articles about very high alcohol content beers. So mm-hmm. you're, uh, in your mid to high twenties, mm-hmm. your um, ice out, <laughs> started getting out into the to, ice box and things. Yeah. Some of that, but this is even beyond that of brewing techniques of how to kind of play it. So I don't know any, anything that pushes boundaries or flavors or, or other things kind of interests me. Yeah, but, definitely. I think you need to use the, uh, use the cool ship fitting in your truck as an excuse to, uh, you go and you just, you, you get the wort in the truck somehow and it doesn't slosh everywhere and you just drive all around Fort Wayne and you're gathering you yeast from yep. all over Fort yeah. Wayne and exactly. all yeah. specific areas. <laughs> um, so like say, um, you guys, you know, you seem to, I wouldn't say follow trends, but like you make smart decisions when you're brewing beer where you're technically brewing beer. Well, but also like hazies are popular. You're making hazy sours are popular. You're making really good sours. Um, What trends in beer do you think are like here to stay And which ones do you think are kind of a flash in the pan? Maybe. um, I do think sours in general, kind of kettle sours in, in, in all different veins are, are here to stay. I mean, there's a lot of argument of the big, you know, slushy styles and stuff like that. But I think that each each of those beers, especially ours, don't aren't aren't as thick. You know, we we tend to do ours with fruit purees or other kind of ingredients, but they welcome, um, you know, a drinker out there that that loves wine or you know mixed drinks or other things, and they're bringing them to beer. So I, I do think there's a vein for sours where you know. I think um, it opens people into kind of beer in general. So that I think those trends are, are, are going, um, you know, there's a bit of waning of chasing kind of hazy IPA mm-hmm. as much. So I think they've become kind of a, a, a staple. So, you know, you have all your different categories now of IPA and, you know, we may just classify a West coast, but I think, you know, West coast could be, you know, the Pacific Northwest is a different type of IPA than, right. San Diego style or, (laughs) you know, hazy could really, I, I, you know, I think there's a true new England style that that is, is, is pillowy thick and stuff. I think Midwest sometimes ours get to be a bit sweeter. Um, so I think, you know, IPA and those many veins are, 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 are here to stay. Um, I, I, and I do think, you know, in some fashion, um, seltzers are going to continue to kind of be on a rise, especially now that you're seeing kind of a crossover that seltzers don't, don't necessarily need to be clear and yeah. you can actually yeah. put real fruit flavor into <laughs> them. Um, we've been experimenting, actually co-fermenting with fruit. So some of that fermentable sugar is not just the sugar, it's the sugar from the fruit. So you're almost um, blending almost like wine-like kind of characteristics. So yeah, say with your vinify, yeah, stay. definitely. Yeah, um, but a lot of a lot of new wood age things. So I'm starting to see, you know, lot people get turned on to old world styles. We've been doing, you know, saison or Nordic, um, some different style pilsners, and and uh, I think some some of those are are, are I, I think everybody's hoping for a comeback. But I, I think as people taste craft lager 
in general, um, they're turned on to something that, that tastes really good and can be another kind of flavor to add to things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think when, (laughs) just like you said, yeah, it's turning, turning people onto those new styles or yeah, converting people from wine or just mixed drinks or whatnot to a sour that they can at least choke down at a, you know, be able to come out to the bar with their friends without you guys having to be like, yeah, we do mixed drinks and wine too. Not that it's bad to offer those things, but you know, if you have these beers, it's a nice entrance point for people. for sure. So, um, what kind of, uh, you guys say we get a delivery from you guys probably every couple of weeks. And uh, Mm -hmm. it seems like, um, what, what kind of new stuff do we have coming up in the, in the next few months? So we do have, um, interesting. So speaking of loggers, um, we do, we, we've been working on a collab with uh, Junk Ditch mm-hmm. uh, here in town. Uh, so they're a brewery, a uh, great restaurant as well. And we wanted to take a spin on creating, we, we base, had the same base lager recipe, but we're doing it in two different fashions. So the brew that we did here is based on a Rice Krispie square. So it's more of a pastry lager. Mm-hmm. If there is such a thing. Um, <laughs> there is now. So we, so we, we did that. So it, we're going to actually use, um, you know, marshmallow, Rice Krispie, square mix and stuff like that kind of in secondary to kind of give kind of that flavor. Um, their lager is going to be more to the hoppy side. So, so kind of a bit more bitter, uh, kind of go in the IPL range. Mm-hmm, which, mm-hmm. I mean, those have been around. So a bit more kind of on the hoppy side. So we haven't completely named it yet but we're going to can both of those so we're, oh, awesome. those will be kind of coming out um we have uh just brewed today probably one of our most asked about beers our our, our key lime pie is coming mm-hmm. back out so we'll awesome. be that uh, pretty soon um along with uh one that was really popular last year our hypersonic daydream is a a new england ipa with all citra to it um nice. very hoppy kind of juicy and stuff so that's what to expect kind of in the coming weeks of, of this month. Um, obviously next month we'll bring back a few other beers with Chong will be coming out, uh, release like a 420 kind of release. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's just great kind of danky kind of with the, the cashmere Eureka and, and a hop that I've just grown to love so much as Strata. Strata oh yeah. Yeah. Just, definitely. <laughs> uh, such a great hop. So, um, what's nice too is, um, with our expansion and everything, we're going to be able to hook up a uh, 20 barrel tank. So we'll be expanding our production. Oh, awesome. Hopefully um, rather than just small allotments, we could do a little bit larger allotments or get kegs a little bit more up to different spaces. Yeah. It's also going to allow us to kind of long-term is um, a lot of our barrel age beer that doesn't make it out usually outside of the tap room. Mm-hmm. We'll have uh, more allotments of just, uh, popular, you know, our dark necessity variants and other things will be a bit more accessible now. Yeah. I feel like the, the barrel age is something that people, seems like they can't get enough of it, especially during, you know, certain times of year, winter times and holiday oh, yeah. times. It's just like, yep. seem, you can't have enough of those. That's for sure. People will just want to try them all. So right. like chemically, I guess, from like a scientific standpoint, how do you feel like you were talking about the uh, Rice Krispie treat brewing with marshmallows? Like I know marshmallows, they're kind of like an infinitely, I mean, they're extremely fermentable sugar or whatever. Like how, um, I guess, how do you feel that that plays into the process, like in, you know, primary and secondary fermentation? So we we put it primarily in a secondary kind of fermentation. Mm -hmm. 
we're, we're more after uh, some of those flavors and aromas to come through. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes in primary, it starts just eating it up. Uh, you, you see the same thing with uh, just fruits and other things. If you add it too early into primary, it becomes just another sugar. And, and oftentimes those flavors do not kind of transfer through. So um, our cereal beers are um, even like key lime pie, you know, the, the uh, graham cracker and other things, we, we actually add it in secondary. Mm-hmm. So that flavor kind of comes through and, it, and it's a timing thing. So if it's certain things that you want more of that aroma and taste, you want to be careful because if it's if it sits on the beer too long, think of like a cereal. Um, if cereal, you get the aroma, it's good. If you let it sit, if you have ever taken a French press and, and put it in a really good beer, it tastes nasty after a while. So right, right. you got to be very careful that it's not, um, you're not getting that, that grainy kind of cereal taste kind of coming through. Same thing with, I mean, a Rice Krispies or other things. The marshmallow, you're trying to just get enough of that aroma and flavor that as your mind is, you're, you're drinking and sipping it, um, it's balanced. And, and that, that's probably the biggest compliment. We do a lot of crazy beers, but everybody compliments and it's like, oh, it's not as strong as I th- thought it was. You know, mm-hmm. people think of our bananas fast or even like our pastry stouts. There's still a fairly balanced, dry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, you get that flavor and then it finishes dry where there's others that, you know, that residual sugar is still there. And it's like, okay, I'm good for a two to four ounce pour, but I don't want to last. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we're all about, you know, it, it's, it's flavors and aromas that are, I don't want to say trick your mind, but makes your mind go there with mm-hmm. a pleasant stout. It's still right. a beer. It's still kind of staying in that vein. And I think that's what's set us a little bit apart from folks that are just dumping a lot of things into it to be a flavor bomb and that you yeah. could have a few sips, but it's just like, it's, it, it starts going away from a drinkable, you know, pint or something. Right. Yeah. A lot of those beers that I, I like to put into the category of uh, like beer fest beers where you're like, exactly. you get a two yeah. ounce pour. Yeah. Oh man. This tastes like banana foster. Oh man. It's like, I just took a scoop of banana foster or whatever, but yours is yours is decidedly like, yeah, like you said, I, I would sit down and drink, you know, a, a 12 ounce pour or however you're pouring snifters of yeah. your lost in yeah. the dark bananas foster. Yep. But like, I would enjoy that full amount. Whereas opposed to yeah. yeah, other ones that I've had, I'm just like, this is really good, but five ounces tasting a little taster of it. That's plenty. If not too right. much. Right. Right. So, um, as you, you've been brewing for yourself for a while, you know, you have a brewery now. Uh, so what, um, you, you drink beer outside of your own. And if so, what beer, have you had most recently that you enjoyed that isn't your own? Um, you know, I revisited, so I grew up outside of Chicago kind of area and we just recently got, um, uh, half acre mm-hmm. of in Fort Wayne. So yeah. just, uh, revisiting kind of Daisy cutter was yeah. just kind of, uh, unique and, and kind of exciting and stuff. Uh, so, so that, that's been one that I've been approaching a bit, but um, hands down, anytime I could get my hands on Jester King. Oh yeah. Definitely. Any of beers, um, I'm just such a fanboy of everything they do. Um, you know, on, on my corporate side, our corporate headquarters is, is, is in Houston, Texas. So, um, 
it's still a good two and a half hour drive up to Austin, but <laughs> anytime I could get up there, I've been to Chester King three times and it's just, it, it's a magical place. I, I, I love what they do. I love farmhouse style beers. At, you mm -hmm. know, they're not for everybody, but you know, I like when it gets funky. I like when it's sour and nuanced. Um, it, it is, there's something special that, I mean, they're using, you know, Texas Hill Country well water as the brewing water. Yeah. They, they, you know, have their cool ship up above. They have a huge barn of a barrel room and other things, but they're situated just in this great farm kind of hill hillside area um, with, you know, farm to table pizza. And uh, it's a neat experience, a neat place. So. Right. Definitely. Is that so down, down South, would that be like softer, I guess, like more like softer water than we have up here? Um, and maybe so I, I actually, you know, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's that I've tasted kind of just their, their well water, but I would right. think that there's the right minerals and salts and other things to kind of help it. I know, you know, Fort Wayne, we're lucky. We only carbon filter our water. Um, mm -hmm. So we go, we don't strip it down or anything. I use some, you know, gypsum and calcium chloride to do some of our water chemistry, depending on the type of beer or the mouthfeel we want. Mm -hmm. We don't have to do a lot to, to make a good beer. Well, awesome. Yeah. That's, I, I feel like we are kind of blessed up here in Northern Indiana with even, you know, some of the, the water table we have up here is pretty solid, especially for stouts yeah. and whatnot. You just, oh, yeah. that hard water, you can uh, get some nice crisp stouts out there. That's for sure. So uh, as we come to an end here today, this has been so great, Tom. Thanks so much for doing this. Um, Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah, definitely. Well, how, uh, what, what would you like to plug today? How can we get you guys on social media and how can we, uh, where, where can people? Yeah, I mean, you? yeah, I mean, obviously like every other week we're doing a drop at Citywide. <laughs> you guys have been, you know, supporting us from the very beginning. Um, you know, if anybody ever wants to kind of see what is coming up, the best place to find out what's probably going to drop, you know, soon is to follow us on social media. That's where you could see about beer drops and stuff, what we're producing. We're literally, I mean, every other week producing something different. Our most yeah. popular beers, we only produce like, you know, two to three times a year. So <laughs> we're constantly rotating last year during the, I mean, during the months of, of COVID alone, we released, I think, 55 different cans so yeah. constant rotation there. Beyond that, I mean, we've been trying to do some cool events. Mm -hmm. um, two weeks ago, we did our Firkin Fest breweries, tap, you know, one of a kind kind of Firkins. We have our anniversary party coming up. We always do a luau um, and, and get get great beer, have uh, tropical themes and stuff, uh, Hawaiian shirts and stuff. And we have our front. So look, look at us from social media. And then finally, um, we're, we're expanding. Um, we're creating what we're calling the barrel room. It'll allow us to have, you know, 50 plus, uh, barrel aged or beers actually aging in barrels, a little bit of added production space. So, um, I know, you know, if wherever you are, if you want to kind of make a weekend trip, great barbecue, great beer, neat space. Um, it, it's, it's worth the trip. So. Yeah. Well, heck yeah. Everybody get out to Fort Wayne and check out two Tom's. Tom, thanks so much for doing this with me today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you.